change occurs whenever leaders take agency and ownership of their sphere of influence and say, I'm going to do whatever I can just to make the situation that I am in just a little bit better. I want to challenge you to remove the people and the parties from your mindset and focus on your principles. Well, hey there, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Y'all, I am so beyond pumped for today's episode of the podcast because by the end of today, I'm going to tell you who you should vote for in the next presidential election. Yeah, right. Yes, I'm joking. Don't worry, I'm joking. Gosh, I, I wish I wish so bad that I could see your face. I wish so bad that I could see your face whenever I said that. No, I'm not going to do that. There's a word for that. That's called stupid. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But here's the deal. We are going to talk politics today. And already some of you are getting a little bit tense because just saying the P word of politics gets people a little bit freaked out today. Have you noticed? And I know I'm going to get this feedback and I know people are thinking this. They're saying, Alex, Path for Growth, you're getting out of your lane. Why, why, why would you do this? You're doing so good on these content episodes, this rhythm, just talking about business. Stay in your lane. Don't get out of the lane by talking about politics. Here's the deal. I thought about that. And I really thought about our mission at Path for Growth because that mission, why we exist, is the filter that we run everything through. And at Path for Growth, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And here's the deal. You and I both know this. Civil conversation is the lifeblood of our democracy here in the United States. And if you haven't noticed, civil conversation isn't happening right now. It's just, quite frankly, not happening right now. And honestly, it's gotten to the point where so many people, so many good, well-intentioned, strong, hard-working people aren't even having a conversation at all because they're so fed up with what's going on. Do you resonate with that? Quite frankly, I resonate with that. I'm recording this just a couple days after the first debate. And oh my gosh, are you joking me? It was, I mean, it was just ridiculous. I have seen episodes of Survivor that had more civility than what we watched in that first debate. But what I know to be true is that those debates and everything that's going on in that whole circus, and even everything that's going on in this election right now, that is not what makes this democracy work. What makes our system, what makes our country work are real people like you and I that are going to work every single day. And here's the deal. It becomes a very toxic and dangerous situation to be in when we are unwilling to discuss disagreements or really even discuss the reality and the stage of things as they stand right now. I know a lot of really good people that are just avoiding the conversation altogether because they're so fed up with the current state of things. But this is something that we talk about all the time on this podcast is that change occurs when leaders take responsibility. Change occurs when leaders take action. Change occurs whenever leaders take agency and ownership of their sphere of influence and say, I'm going to do whatever I can just to make the situation that I am in just a little bit better. And with regard to this whole conversation around politics and the environment that we're in right now and the climate that we're in right now, I think that 
impact-driven leaders have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to have some internal pillars for how they're coming at this situation because it's an absolute mess. But I also think that leaders have a responsibility and also an opportunity to create an environment in which civil conversation can occur, to create an environment in which people can actually deal in reality, create an environment in which we can disagree and have conflict, but do it in a healthy way. That does not occur, especially today, without leadership. And so that's why we're going to wade right into this topic today. Not because it's easy, not because it's fun, but because it's right. And because the worst thing that we can do from a leadership perspective is say, politics are too divisive right now, so we're just going to avoid the topic altogether. That's not leadership. Are you joking? That's called cowardice. That's just a lack of courage. No, politics are divisive right now, so we need leadership. We need people who are creating environments for civil discourse now more than ever. And before we jump in, because we've got three practical actions, and no, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not even going to tell you who I'm voting for in this episode. We're just going to talk about three practical actions that I truly believe should apply to everyone. This is how I'm walking through this season for myself and with my team right now. And so we're going to talk about those three practical actions, but I just wanted to look at kind of three viewpoints that really support why this matters so much. And so I've got a Republican viewpoint. I've got a Democrat viewpoint, and then I've got a French viewpoint, just to balance out the two. In case I don't tick off everyone with the Republican or the Democrat viewpoint, I'll give you the French viewpoint, and that'll just tick off all of America altogether. So here's the viewpoints that really support why it matters talking about this today. Let's start with the Democrat viewpoint. John F. Kennedy in 1957 said, In a democracy, every citizen, regardless of his interest in politics, holds office. Every one of us is in a position of responsibility. And in the final analysis, the kind of government we get depends on how we fulfill those responsibilities. We, the people, are the boss. And we will get the kind of political leadership, be it good or bad, that we demand and that we deserve. I love that line. We, the people, are the boss. Ten years later, President Ronald Reagan in his inaugural address said this. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. And then finally, the French viewpoint. It's by a 19th century philosopher. His name, gosh, his name, the way it looks like is Joseph de Maïs. That's how I say it. I looked up the pronunciation. It's like Joseph de Maïs. <laughs> so that's completely wrong. And if you speak French, I'm sorry that I probably just offended you. But his line is considerably shorter, but it echoes the same tone. And I think it's so true. Every nation gets the government it deserves. Ugh, I love that. We get the government that we deserve. And we we shouldn't look up today and simply complain about the the place that our country finds ourselves in, about the choices that we've been given, about the status of discourse in our country. We get the government we deserve. So we should be about the business of fixing it. 
right? It's not they did this, it's we did this. We are in the position of creating this mess, so we are also responsible for fixing this mess, and the leaders are going to be the ones that actually take the steps necessary to move things in a productive direction. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about three actionable steps for leading well in this season whenever it comes to this topic of politics. These are three actions that regardless of where you stand politically, I believe we should all apply ourselves to, that we should all attend to because it's just good leadership from my perspective. So I'm going to give you the three actions and then we're going to unpack them and dive into them. Action number one is going to be to focus more on what you believe in than who you believe in. Action number two is understand why you believe what you believe. And action number three is to acknowledge your own imperfection. Again, number one is focus more on what you believe in than who you believe in. Action number two is understand why you believe what you believe. And action number three is to acknowledge your own imperfection. So let's jump in to action number one. Focus more on what you believe in than who you believe in. It's so easy right now to get so wrapped into party politics. What I want to challenge you to do is, to the best of your ability, and I know this is insanely hard right now because you've got a thousand messages coming at you every single minute. You've got commercials. You've got radio ads. You've got podcast ads. There's Facebook ads. There's Instagram ads. Just screaming these messages about these people But I want to challenge you to remove the people and the parties from your mindset and focus on your principles. Again, I want you to remove the candidates. I want you to remove the parties from the picture and just apply yourself to the mental exercise of really identifying what are the principles that you stand for. And man, I'll tell you, it's incredibly helpful to literally just sit down at a piece of paper. And this doesn't have to take more than 10 minutes. This doesn't have to be some day-long retreat where you identify the principles that are going to define the rest of your life. No, just what are the principles that you believe in? What are the principles that you believe in today, regardless of party or people? And just write those down, right? What are the principles that are just immovable for you, that are immovable truths that you say, you know, quite frankly, it doesn't really matter everything that's going on externally. This is something that I stand for. These are where I draw my lines. These are my guiding principles. And write those principles down. And then what I want you to do is I want you to prioritize those principles in terms of importance. Because I know, because they're principles, they're all important to you, but you know just as well as I do right now that part of what we're going to have to do in this decision coming up is really decide what we're willing to compromise. And part of that is democracy, right? Now, there are some things that should be immovable, but there are some things that you're willing to compromise. And so go ahead and prioritize those principles on this list and really decide, okay, what are the things that matter most? What should be at the top of this list? And what are the things that are more nice to have than they are need to have? So you're going to write the principles And then you're going to prioritize those principles. And remember, while you're doing this, you're removing the the people and the parties from the picture. Get those out of your head. Don't even picture them. I don't want you to even think about them right now. And I don't want you to think about what other people I've told you you should believe. I want you to define what you believe is true. And then prioritize those things. And then I want you to let what you believe in, being those principles, dictate who you support, and where you hold the line in this upcoming election. So once you've got that list of principles, 
once you've got them prioritized, then you say, okay, how does this prioritized list of principles line up with the choices that I have? But the thing is, is your principles don't move. So even if you say, okay, this is the candidate that I'm going to support, whether in the presidential election, whether it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump, and you say, I'm going to support this person, that doesn't mean that because you support that person, now your principles move. No, my bet is that regardless of who you support, there are going to be some of your principles that they do not align with. And that doesn't mean you sacrifice those principles. That means that that's going to be where you're going to fight moving forward and what you're going to voice moving forward and what you're saying like, hey, I'm not going to lose these principles just because they don't fully stand for it and I have to fully support them. No, you hang on to your principles. You hold that line. But here's the deal. So often, this process that I just laid out for you, where you start with the principle and that dictates the person that you vote for, we go about it the exact opposite way. And one of the really dangerous games that we are playing as a country right now is that so many of us, I would even say too many of us, are allowing who we believe in to dictate what we believe in. Again, we are allowing who we believe in to dictate what we believe in. And we start with the party. We start with the person. We start with the candidate. And we say, oh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That's who we believe in. And therefore, because I believe in them, then they get to tell me everything that I believe in principally. There's a word for that, people. It's called brainwashing. Seriously, cults exist when people become more drawn to a charismatic personality and their ideology than the overarching principles and truths that should be immovable regardless of party or position or person that's involved. If you're going to be a leader, you have to start with what you believe in principally. You have to start with the principle. You have to start with the value. And out of that value, then you say, okay, who is the person, although imperfect, that I can support given these values and given these principles? This is so, so, so crucial because I've got a newsflash for you. Donald Trump, he's a super fallible human being. He's a super fallen human being. He's a super imperfect human being. Oh, another newsflash for you. Joe Biden, he's a super fallible human being. He's a super imperfect human being. He's a super fallen human being. And if we sell out to following the person and just basically put our principles up for the highest bidder, then we have lost ourselves. And they can take you anywhere where they want to take you at that point. Part of democracy is owning your individual responsibility for identifying your principles. Start with what you believe in and allow what you believe in to dictate who you're going to support in this season. Focus more on what you believe in. Center yourself on principles and values that are immovable. And whenever you decide who you're going to vote for or who you're going to support, or even in conversations with people, who you are going to voice support for, you don't have to sell out 100% to that person's viewpoint. You sell out to your principles and acknowledge the fact that that person doesn't align 100% with the principles, but they do align enough with your priorities to win your support in this situation. So again, we're going to focus more on what you believe in principally than who you believe in. Who you believe in does not get to dictate what you believe. And that brings us to number two which is directly related to number one. Once you identify what you believe in, then you need to make sure that you know why you believe in it. 
Now, my assumption is that if you've listened to this podcast for a while, this isn't going to be some revolutionary idea for you to hear this. The way whenever people ask me about my beliefs, I'm not really shy to tell people I lean conservative. Now, I take that very seriously. I do not say that I am a Republican. I say that I am a conservative and I have conservative viewpoints because my belief is that there's a lot of Republicans out there that I, although they may say they are conservative, their their actions and their patterns and their behaviors do not reflect conservatism. But what I say, and I'm not telling you what you should believe, I'm just telling you where I land typically, is I say, well, my my principles are more conservative in nature because I believe in small government. I believe in free enterprise. I, I really, really believe in individual responsibility, agency, and ownership and how that individual responsibility creates a collective good. That's what I believe. I'm not telling you you need to believe that, but that is what I believe and where I land. Now, it was so good for me whenever I went to school at the University of Texas. Many of you may know this. The University of Texas, it's in Austin, which Austin is probably, and I don't think it's even probably, I think it is the most liberal city in the state of Texas. Lots of people say it's a slice of California in the center of the state of Texas. It's kind of this bizarre anomaly that happens in Austin. And the University of Texas is honestly one of the more liberal campuses in the country today. And so I am someone that had conservative values and I stepped in the middle of this liberal campus. And I'll tell you, I look back now and I'm so, so, so beyond grateful that I did that and that that's where I went to school. Because whenever I went to the University of Texas, it wasn't enough for me to just know what I believed. Because there were a lot of people that disagreed with me. There were a lot of people that disagreed with me. And there were a lot of people that were super vocal about the fact that they disagreed with me. So it wasn't enough for me just to know what I believed. I, I recognized really, really, really quick that I had to be able to define and understand and really articulate and communicate why I believed what I believed. I had to identify the reason. I had to identify the purpose. And what that enabled me to have and what I grew over the course of my four years and my time at the University of Texas is after having to communicate regularly about why I believe what I believe, I, I came to a position of great strength and confidence because I looked up four years later and although I couldn't do it as a freshman, as a senior, I was like, okay, I've got some like legitimate pillars. I've got some legitimate understanding. I've got some legitimate purpose and reason for why I believe what, what I believe. So here's the deal. If you are more liberal in your viewpoints, if you're more socially liberal or fiscally liberal, awesome. I'm not going to tell you you should believe anything different. Now, I will tell you I disagree with you, but that's totally fine. We can disagree. This place was built on disagreement. What I am going to tell you is know why you believe what you believe. If you're a conservative like me, maybe you're more fiscally conservative or socially conservative. Great. Awesome. I'm not even going to tell you that that's absolutely right unless you can explain why do you believe what you believe? It's incumbent upon us. It is our responsibility, but it's also our opportunity to know the purpose, to know the reason behind the beliefs, the principles, and the values that we hold. But here's what's so cool about this, and here's why this relates, I think, so powerfully to the season and the time that we find ourselves in right now, and really especially for the role of leaders in the season that we find ourselves in right now is that when you know why you believe what you believe, when you have purpose, when you have reason, when you have a sense of purpose within you about why you believe what you believe, it grants you the ability to engage in civil conversation. 
Because when you know why you believe what you believe, you are operating from a place of security and stability. And you're not operating from a position of defensiveness or scarcity or insecurity. I think part of our problem right now is that a lot of people just believe what they believe because they were told to believe it. Or just believe what they believe because the person they follow believes it. Or just believe what they believe because the party they subscribe to believes it. And what that results in is whenever you get into a conversation, the minute someone asks the question why, they don't have an answer. And really, their answer becomes, although they may not say it, although sometimes they will say this, they'll just say, well, because, 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 because. A child says because. Because is not a good enough reason. And if your reason for the principles and values that are dictating your votes and dictating your discourse is because, that that doesn't cut it. That's not you filling your responsibility. You need to know the purpose. You need to know the reason for why you believe what you believe because then you can enter into a conversation and not have to prove anything, not have to be defensive, not have to raise your voice. It's okay. We can all chill out. We can disagree and just say, well, this is why I believe what I believe. And it's totally fine. That's totally good. Operate from a position of stability and security. And that only comes from a position of principle But it's not just principle for the sake of principle. It's principle that is backed by purpose. So we said that we're going to focus more on what you believe in than who you believe in. We said that you're going to understand why you believe what you believe. And then finally, we're going to acknowledge our own imperfection. My views, I'm speaking for myself right now, my views are not 100% perfect. That's right. I know that I know that I know that I know that right now, as I'm recording this podcast, there is something that I believe principally right now that is probably wrong. Or the way that I think a principle should be applied in this election or in this season or in this scenario is wrong. I guarantee it. There are way too many issues. There are way too many policies. There are way too many principles out there right now that for me to be 100% correct. So there's no way that I'm 100% correct on the way that I view things. Maybe it's because I'm undereducated. Maybe it's because I'm ignorant. Maybe it's because I'm living in denial. Maybe I'm misinformed in some areas. Maybe I'm just being ridiculously overly stubborn. But I know. I know, I know, I know that there is absolutely no way that my views in this season are 100% perfect. It's just not even possible. The reason why I tell you that is because it gives me the credibility to tell you this. There is no way, no way that in this season, your views are 100% perfect. There's no way. Maybe you're misinformed, maybe you're ignorant, maybe you're undereducated, maybe you're living in denial, maybe you're overly stubborn, but there is simply no way that your views on the current situation or that your perspective on the current situation is 100% correct. There's no way that it's 100% perfect. And the reason why I think this is so crucial for us to understand is because the day that you think you have a monopoly on truth is the day that you stop contributing to our democracy. Seriously, we have to be willing to acknowledge our own imperfection. Because if we can't say that there's some area where I'm not coming at this right right now, I may not know what it is right now, but if we're not willing to say that there's some area where I could be wrong, then all discussion shuts down. And and there's really no point in having a conversation anymore. And that's kind of where we're getting largely within the discussion today nationally. 
I had a friend that he pointed this out to me in such a poignant way. We were on a long car ride and there were about four of us in the car and he asked this question that was just so powerful. It was so powerful. And we all kind of went around and discussed it. Here's the question. and I really want you to think about this. What topic or policy do your views lean furthest away from the political group that you best identify with? Again, what topic or policy do your views, do your principles lean furthest away from the political group that you best identify with? That is so good for us to evaluate because that, that, question forces us to reckon with the fact that number one, the party or the person do not fully represent you. You are an individual. You are allowed to have your own viewpoint, your own perspective, and your own reasons for having that viewpoint and that perspective. So don't sell out to the person or the party, like we said in point one, and really say, okay, well, what are the areas where they deviate? But it also forces us to reckon with our own imperfection to reckon with the fact that there's no way that our views are 100% correct. And it takes us a little bit out of offense, and it gives us a little bit of a looser grip, and that gives us the ability to enter conversations with one very powerful thing, a whole lot of grace. Because I can look at someone that I think is wrong about certain things. Because there are people, and I will tell you, some of you listening to this podcast right now, I believe there are situations where I am right and you are wrong where my beliefs are right and you are incorrect. But the reason why I can say that with confidence is because I guarantee you there are areas that you believe that you are right and I am wrong. I guarantee you that's the case. I guarantee you there are areas where you are right and I am wrong. But if we can't acknowledge that, and if we can't look in the mirror and say, there's no way I'm perfect, and if we can't look in the mirror and say, I don't have a monopoly on truth, and there's areas where other people have different perspectives that are probably way better and way more truthful than mine, if we can't do that, well, then this whole system shuts down and, and it would probably be better for us not to be a democracy at all. We have to be able to acknowledge our own imperfection. So what I want you to do, I want you to focus more on what you believe in than who you believe in. I want you to understand why you believe what you believe because that gives you a position of strength and security that you can operate with in civil discourse. And then I want you to acknowledge your own imperfection and I want you to verbally acknowledge it. I want you to say, hey, I know I know, there's no way I'm perfect right now. Whenever it comes to these issues, there's no way that I've got the perfect viewpoint and I've got the perfect plan and I've got the perfect perspective on this situation. There's no way. I want you to verbally say that anytime you engage in conversation. Because here's the deal. People don't need leaders right now who are robust and bombastic and just absolutely laying down the law of what is correct and telling everyone else that they are incorrect. What people need right now is leaders that show exceptional grace, leaders that are willing to wade into conversations that are tough from a position of stability and security, and leaders that base themselves more on principles than people or parties. That is the leadership that people desperately need right now. Y'all, I hope this was as helpful for you as it was for me to write this out, and I hope that you are taking ownership and you're taking agency of not trying to change the nation, not trying to change the world, but maybe just making your sphere of influence just a little bit better. 
by knowing what you believe in, by knowing why you believe in it, and by acknowledging your own imperfection. I'm super, super grateful for you taking the time to listen to this today. I know this is a little bit of a challenging conversation. It would really help us if you pass this on to a friend or subscribed or rated or reviewed the podcast. That always helps us know how we're doing, and it helps us get into the ears of people that don't yet know about Path for Growth. Know that we're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. And remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.